You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Christ the Lord is risen today. He is risen indeed. Now, many of you, if you've been in church for a while and you've gone to many Easter services, you know that that's actually a responsive thing, that the pastor says, Christ the Lord is risen today. And you respond and you say, he is risen indeed. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to warn you, I'm going to say it very enthusiastically because I really believe it. And I'm believing that you're going to do the same because you believe it. So are you ready? Christ the Lord is risen today. Christ the Lord is risen today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It is so good to be here with all of you this morning and celebrate the resurrection. One of the exciting things, not as exciting as the resurrection, but one of the exciting things about this weekend is for some, it actually marks the first time you've been able to come back to a church service for more than a year. So we just want you to know we missed you and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Um, This morning, as we take some time to reflect on the resurrection, we're going to be looking at some verses in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. So if you would, would you take out your Bibles or your phones or ever how you may find Scripture and locate Matthew 28. Also, in your worship guide, there are some teaching notes. You can reach in and take those. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, it's all okay because the verses are going to come up on the screen. Uh, while you're turning there, and before we begin to f- reflect on the resurrection, I, wanna, uh, I want you to hear the story of, of a hometown hero. His name is Sam Jordan, and Sam is a student at Lake Norman High. And uh, you may have already heard his story because it's been very, very publicized, kind of nationwide over the past week. So watch this video, and then I'll give you a little background. Let's just say football season at Lake Norman High School will be unforgettable. And that is thanks to senior Sam Jordan. That's right. Sam, who has Down syndrome, has been the Wildcats team manager since his freshman year. And on senior night, the coach gave him the chance of a lifetime. Mm. And boy, did Sam deliver coming through, scoring a touchdown before the game as both teams cheered him on. And we are so happy to have Sam, the man, Uh, Jordan, with us, along with his parents, Greta and Roger. Good morning, everyone. Everybody, Sam, after all these years, you've loved football. You've been around the team. They all love you, all the guys. What was it like to score that touchdown? What was it like to be on the field in that moment? It was heart. It was heartwarming to me mm-hmm. because it was the best, the best thing that ever happened to me oh. because it was really awesome. Mm-hmm. Sam, the man, I were watching you run down the field. What were you thinking as you were running through all those players and then after everyone was high-fiving you? What did that feel like? It felt like pretty good because <laughs> it it brought like their character to show them that they really care and, and just let me run that touchdown because that was the biggest encouraging moment for me. Uh, Sam and his mom, Roger, his mom, Greta, and his dad, Roger, um, actually all grew up in the Grace Covenant family. So many of you may know them, but this story is really close to our hearts. Let me give you a little background. Uh, When Sam was born, uh, everything seemed to be just fine. Um, No uh, apparent uh, issues or challenges with the birth or or with Sam. When he was two weeks old, uh, his mom and dad learned that he had Down syndrome. So they very um, uh, lovingly 
accepted the reality of Down syndrome and any challenges that it might bring for their family in the future. Um, there, however, was a um, kind of the loss or the death of a dream that happened. Um, Sam's dad, Roger, had played uh, high school football, and he had a dream that uh, if he had a son one day, that his son would also play high school football. And so Roger confesses that when they learned that Sam had Down syndrome, one of his first thoughts was, oh, he'll never be able to play football. Uh, when Sam entered Lake Norman High School, since he couldn't play on the team, he did the, mess, the, best, the next best thing, and he um, has served as the team manager for the past four years, and recently his uh, career as team manager uh, came to an end. As it was coming to, his end, to the end, his mom had a thought, and so she put a call in to the uh, team coach one afternoon, and she said, we just want to make sure that Sam could some way participate in the team's senior night that's coming up. And the coach responded, oh yes, not only will he participate, but we're planning something really big. We'll take it from here. And you saw what happened. Sam was given the privilege of dressing out in full gear and playing in a, a pregame scrimmage with the opposing team, and he scored a touchdown. And from everything I've been told, they didn't just let him score the touchdown. He had to work for it. He earned that touchdown. The video that you've seen has now been viewed more than 2 million times across the United States and maybe around the world, and it continues to get views. Now, here's what I want us to consider this morning. At two weeks of age, what had been a dream um, seemed to come to an end. Uh, but mom and dad and the coaches took something that seemed impossible and made it possible. And for Sam and for his family, it was this incredible turnaround. It was the great reversal. It was the reversal of a dream that they thought was dead. And I tell you that story this morning because I want to connect it to what we're going to talk about this morning. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But not only are we celebrating the resurrection, but we're celebrating the greatest reversal that has ever occurred in the history of the world. And so I want to take just a few moments and I want us to read the, uh, uh, the resurrection story in Matthew 28 where I had you turn and then we'll talk a little bit about it. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1 and I'm going to read about 10 verses. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came close to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. 
Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me also. That's the resurrection story, and we refer to it as a great reversal. But I would imagine, I think we could confidently say, that on the day that Jesus died, it seemed like anything but a turnaround. It seemed like anything but a reversal. Um, As he hung on the cross, he said his last words, which were, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he died. And so that day, for his family, for his friends, for his followers, and even for his enemies, the crucifixion and the death of Jesus seemed to be an end. And that day, it seemed like death had won. But here's what we know. Because of what we've read, it was not the end. It was not the end for Jesus because Three days later, on the third day, Jesus rose up from the dead. He was found to be alive just like he said he would be. And on the third day is when that great reversal happened because God was there in the tomb. And he intervened and he, 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 he used his power. He exerted his power and he raised Jesus up from the dead. And that reversal was for the sake of the world. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. There was a reversal of death that day that was for the world. But it's also important that we understand that it was very personal. It was a reversal for you and I from death to life. Perhaps you know this, but of all the world religions, there is only one that claims that their founder came back from the grave after death. And of course, that's Christianity. The resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. But for many, for so many, the thought of a dead man coming back to life is beyond their comprehension, too much for them to embrace, and just seemingly impossible that they could believe that a dead man came back to life. So I asked this morning, can the claim of the resurrection be taken seriously? And many would say, No. There are some who would say that when Jesus was on the cross, he never really died. In other words, when he was taken down from the cross, he was still alive. And there are others who just said, the story of the resurrection is nothing more than a legend that's been passed down through the centuries. There's no truth attached to it whatsoever. And there are others say, that say, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most well-planned hoax. It's a lie that's ever existed. Imagine, they find it impossible to believe. They've written it off. So I would ask this morning, is there evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Is there proof? Did it really happen? And the answer is yes. There is proof. There is evidence. And the evidence is compelling. 
The evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ can be trusted. And you might say, well, what is the evidence? And guess what? That's what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes. And a good place to start is to recognize that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is historically reliable. Earlier, I said that some believe, they argue that Jesus was not dead while he was on the cross, that when he was taken down, he was still alive. Did Jesus die while he was on the cross? Could he have survived a Roman crucifixion? The answer is yes, he was dead while he was on the cross. And no, he could not have survived a Roman crucifixion. Virtually every scholar concedes that Jesus was dead while he was on the cross. He could not have survived a Roman crucifixion. Um, uh, the soldiers who were responsible for Roman crucifixion were grimly efficient. And this is why they were efficient because they knew that if the victim came down from the cross alive, that they themselves would be put to death. There are no historical records of any kind, anywhere, of anyone who survived a full Roman Christian, a Roman crucifixion. It does not exist. It just doesn't exist. Uh, listen to this. Um, the Journal of the American Medical Association published a peer-reviewed scientific study which concluded that the evidence indicates that Jesus was dead on the cross even before they put the spear in his side. He was already dead. And then there's a, a, a New Testament scholar by the name of Gerd Luderman who get this, who happens to also be an atheist. And he says this, historically, it is indisputable that Jesus was dead on the cross. And this is an atheist who is giving proof to the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Historical evidence supports the fact that Jesus was dead on the cross. He could not have survived a Roman crucifixion. Uh, we can conclude that the resurrection is historically reliable because of the first eyewitnesses. Who were the first eyewitnesses? We read about them just a moment ago. The, yeah, the first eyewitnesses were women. Why is that so significant? Well, I'll tell you. Um, it's so significant because in the first century, women were not eligible to testify in a Jewish court of law. The ancient historian Josephus uh, said that even if you had the multiple testimonies of women, it would not be acceptable. I'm going to tell you why he believes that. Ladies, I want you to say, I'm just the messenger. This is not my message. I am not saying that this is what I, is what I believe. But he said, they're not eligible because women don't treat important matters seriously. Instead, they treat it with humor. Ladies, that's not true, right? You, you need to take care. You need to justify yourself. right? Of course that's right. Um, there was a, a, another uh, a scholar, uh, a historian, who said that Mary Magdalene uh, was not a credible eyewitness. And he said it's because she was a hysterical female who was deluded by sorcery. But think about this. Because of the attitudes and the beliefs of the culture to... Uh, reveal women as the first eyewitnesses to the resurrection would seem to weaken their case, not strengthen it if it were a hoax. But even so, all four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, included in their resurrection story that the women were the first eyewitnesses. Again, 
if this was a hoax, if this was some kind of lie that was being uh, trying to be fabricated, they would not have included that testimony. It would not have strengthened their case, but they included it. Um, there's a case for the resurrection and its historical accuracy because not only were the women the first to uh, be eyewitnesses, but there were other eyewitnesses of the resurrected Jesus as well. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And listen, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. And this is the Apostle Paul writing these words. So obviously, there is biblical proof for the resurrection. But I want you to consider this. Most of what we know of history typically comes from one or maybe two sources of information. Yet when it comes to the eyewitnesses who encountered Jesus after his resurrection, there are no less than nine ancient sources, both within the New Testament and outside the New Testament, that confirm that the disciples and the others encountered Jesus after his resurrection. The resurrection really happened. There's one other reason that I would state that makes the resurrection reliable. Um, consider how the disciples died. Think about it. These men uh, followed Jesus. They gave up everything. They listened to him as he taught. They trusted him. They believed. They loved him. They were there when he was crucified and they were there after he rose from the dead. However, or think about this. Almost all of those disciples, with possibly the exception of John, they all died horrific deaths. If the resurrection was a well-crafted lie, if it were a hoax, why would they submit themselves to such horrific deaths? They did because they were eyewitnesses. They encountered Jesus after the resurrection. They knew that the resurrection was truth. So all of that to say it's historically reliable. I mean, there's plenty of proof. There's plenty of evidence from all kinds of sources. But the question that I want to ask now is, is that information... Those facts, is that enough? I mean, information's good, knowledge is good, but those things alone, are they enough? And the answer, I say, is no. It's not enough. Information, facts, knowledge, for them to be uh, effective, to, to change our lives, they have to drop from the head down to the heart. In other words, we have to be willing to personalize this evidence. We have to be willing to personalize the resurrection to say, it's not just that I know in my head because I've been told, but it's in my heart. I believe that the resurrection really happened. What does the resurrection mean to you 
and to me personally. Consider this. When we were born, the natural trajectory of our lives was both spiritual and physical death. As soon as we came into the world as a newborn, this is pretty gruesome, isn't it? But the death process started. And it started because even as kids, we were born with a natural propensity to sin. And sin brings death. And without an intervention, the ultimate story of our lives would have been death. But there was an intervention, right? God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried, placed in a tomb. And on the third day, on resurrection morning, God exerted his power. We read about this in Ephesians chapter 1. God exerted his power and raised him up from the dead. That was, when that happened, that was the reversal from death to life. And we're not just talking about physical death, but we're talking about spiritual death. There was a reversal that day. Death did not have the final word for Jesus. And death does not have the final word for any of us today if we'll believe. Listen to um, John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26. And this is um, Jesus speaking to a woman by the name of Martha. Maybe you've read the story. Uh, she was the sister of Lazarus who Jesus had raised from the dead. And this is what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And I love how he finishes this. Do you believe this? And I want to repeat that question today. Do you believe this? Have you personalized the resurrection? You see, the failure to personalize the resurrection is a failure to embrace the life that's been made available through Jesus Christ. It's a failure to embrace the hope that's been made available through Jesus and his resurrection. I recognize that it was an event. I guess we could call it an event that happened some 2,000 years ago. It was in the past. But that past event is very much alive today. It's still bringing life. In other words, you and I can have a strong confidence and uh, an ongoing anticipation that God is always working on our behalf. He never stops. He's always aware, caring and loving for us. Always. Even when we turn our back on him, God is still at work. And by his spirit, he's drawing us back to him or he's drawing us to him. Now, the very fact that we're all here today tells me that we're all at least acquainted with the resurrection, that we have some level of knowledge, and there's probably all kinds of levels of information and facts and knowledge shared throughout this room. Maybe some of you have really studied the resurrection. Maybe it's not the first time you've heard the things that I've said. But is it just information? Or have you allowed it to drop down from your head to your heart? Have you experienced the power of the resurrection in your life? Have you experienced that reversal? That's the question I'm asking you to consider today. Have you personalized the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The resurrection has the power to change our lives if and when we believe. 
So how will we respond to the resurrection? Well, let me tell you, you can dismiss it. And if you dismiss it, you miss out on the fullness of life that Jesus has to offer. You can dismiss it. Uh, you, you can doubt it. And if you doubt it, you're just going to be stuck. You're not going to go forward in life. Or you can embrace it and you'll discover the fullness of life that comes through Jesus. So I'd like for everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes. And I want you to just take a moment to think about the question that I'm asking. Have you personalized the resurrection? Do you believe? And, and, and here's what I really say. Every, everything that I've said this morning, it's really the revealing of the, the story of Jesus. It's the, the gospel that we talk about. That God sent his son Jesus. Jesus came to earth, fully God, but fully man. He was incarnate. He took on flesh. But he started a journey, and that journey was to the cross. And he was going to go there. He went there for you and I. And when he went to the cross, when he was nailed on the cross, he did it for us, and he took our sin. He died in our place. He took our punishment. And his blood flowed out from the nails in his hand and the spear in his side. And that blood was the acceptable payment for sin that God required. He was placed in the tomb, but it was not an end because on the third day, he rose up from the grave and he overcame death and he overcame sin. There was a reversal from death to life and he did it for us. Have you ever realized that in your life? Have you ever said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, but I also believe that you rose from, for me so that I could have eternal life. Have you ever said yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, it, it's possible that you've been in church all your life. I'm 60 years old. This is my 60th set of Easter services this year. That's how long I've been in church. Maybe some of you have been in church for many, many years. But it's just always been information. You never personalized it. And you thought you had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you're realizing today that that's not necessarily true. Here's what I'm getting to. If you're here today and you've never personalize the resurrection. If you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, if you never said, I believe you died for me. I need a savior. I need forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, I want my life to be in you. I want your life to be in me. If that's you today, I want you to do something very courageous with everybody's head bowed and their eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, would you just simply lift up your hand and let your eye catch my eye? Because I just want to agree with you in what you're saying, the confession that you're making. Is there anybody here today? Just going to linger here a moment. Is there anybody? Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And Jesus, thank you that you, you went to the cross for us. Today we confess that we believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. 
And we thank you for the reversal from death to life. Thank you for the life that you give us. Thank you for saving us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. As I was praying, I said, we believe. And so as we're getting ready to end the service, we're going to make a declaration together. So I want you to stand. And um, a declaration is going to come up on the screens. And we're going to make this declaration in a strong, loud, I believe voice this morning, declaring what we believe about Jesus Christ. Are you ready? We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son. We believe He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. We believe He suffered under Pontius Pilate and that He was crucified, died, and was buried. We believe that on the third day He was raised from the dead. We believe that He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And we believe that He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.